Chapter 9 of The Legends of King Arthur and His Knights by James Knowles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9 The Adventures of Sir Lancelot du Lac. Then at the following Pentecost was held a feast at the Round Table at Care Leon with high splendour, and all the knights thereof resorted to the court and held many games and jousts and therein sir lancelot increased in fame and worship above all men for he overthrew all comers and never was unhorsed or worsted save by treason and enchantment when queen guinevere had seen his wondrous feats she held him in great favour and smiled more on him than on any other knight and ever since he first had gone to bring her to king arthur had lancelot thought on her as the fairest of all ladies and done his best to win her grace. So the queen often sent for him, and bade him tell of his birth and strange adventures, how he was only son of great King Ban of Brittany, and how one night his father with his mother Helen and himself fled from his burning castle, how his father groaning deeply fell to the ground and died of grief and wounds, and how his mother, running to her husband, left himself alone how as he thus lay wailing came the lady of the lake and took him in her arms and went with him into the midst of the waters where with his cousins lionel and bors he had been cherished all his childhood until he came to king arthur's court and how this was the reason why men called him lancelot du lac anon it was ordained by king arthur that in every year at Pentecost there should be held a festival of all the knights of the round table at Caerleon, or such other place as he should choose, and at those festivals should be told publicly the most famous adventures of any knight during the past year. So when Sir Lancelot saw Queen Guinevere rejoiced to hear his wanderings and adventures, he resolved to set forth yet again and win more worship still that he might more increase her favour then he bade his cousin sir lionel make ready for said he we two will seek adventure so they mounted their horses armed at all points and rode into a vast forest and when they had passed through it they came to a great plain and the weather being very hot about noontide sir lancelot greatly longed to sleep then Sir Lionel espied a great apple tree standing by a hedge, and said, Brother, yonder is a fair shadow where we may rest ourselves and our horses. I am full glad of it, said Sir Lancelot, for all these seven years I have not been so sleepy. So they alighted there and tied their horses up to sundry trees, and Sir Lionel waked and watched, while Sir Lancelot fell asleep and slept passing fast in the meanwhile came three knights riding as fast flying as ever they could ride and after them followed a single knight but when sir lionel looked at him he thought he had never seen so great and strong a man or so well furnished and apparelled anon he saw him overtake the last of those who fled and smite him to the ground then came he to the second, and smote him such a stroke that horse and man went to the earth. Then rode he to the third likewise, and struck him off his horse more than a spear's length, 
With that he lighted from his horse, and bound all three knights fast with the reins of their own bridles. When Sir Lionel saw this, he thought the time was come to prove himself against him. So quietly and cautiously, lest he should wake Sir Lancelot, he took his horse and mounted, and rode after him. Presently overtaking him, he cried aloud for him to turn, which instantly he did, and smote Sir Lionel so hard that horse and man went down forthwith. Then took he up Sir Lionel, and threw him bound over his own horse's back, and so he served the three other knights, and rode them away to his own castle. There they were disarmed, stripped naked, and beaten with thorns, and afterwards thrust into a deep prison, where many more knights also made great moans and lamentations, saying, Alas, alas, there is no man can help us but Sir Launcelot, for no other knight can match this tyrant Turquine, our conqueror. But all this while Sir Launcelot lay sleeping soundly under the apple-tree, and as it chanced, there passed that way four queens of high estate, riding upon four white mules, under four canopies of green silk, borne on spears, to keep them from the sun. As they rode thus, they heard a great horse grimly neigh, and turning them about soon saw a sleeping knight that lay all armed under an apple-tree. And when they saw his face, they knew it was Lancelot of the Lake. Then they began to strive which of them should have the care of him. But Queen Morgan le Fay, King Arthur's half-sister, the great sorceress, was one of them, and said, We need not strive for him. I have enchanted him so that for six hours more he shall not wake. Let us take him to my castle, and when he wakes, himself shall choose which one of us he would rather serve. So Sir Launcelot was laid upon his shield, and borne on horseback between two knights to the castle, and there laid in a cold chamber till the spell should pass. Anon they sent him a fair damsel bearing his supper, who asked him, What cheer? I cannot tell, fair damsel, said he, for I know not how I came into this castle, if it were not by enchantment. Sir, said she, be of good heart and to-morrow at the dawn of day ye shall know more. And so she left him alone, and there he lay all night. In the morning, early, came the four queens to him, passing richly dressed, and said, Sir knights, thou must understand that thou art our prisoner, and that we know thee well for King Ban's son, Sir Launcelot du Lac. And though we know full well there is one lady only in this world may have thy love, and she, Queen Guinevere, King Arthur's wife, yet now are we resolved to have thee serve one of us. Choose therefore of us four which thou wilt serve. I am Queen Morgan le Fay, Queen of the land of Gore. And here also is the Queen of North Gales, and the Queen of Eastland, and the queen of the out isles choose then at once for else shall thou abide here in this prison till thy death it is a hard case said sir launcelot that either i must die or choose one of you for my mistress 
Yet had I rather die in this prison than serve any living creature against my will, so take this for my answer. I will serve none of ye, for ye be false enchantresses. And as for my lady Queen Guinevere, whom lightly ye have spoken of, were I at liberty, I would prove it upon you or upon yours. She is the truest lady living to her lord the king. Well, said the queen, is this your answer, that you refuse us all? Yea, on my life, said Lancelot, refused ye be of me. So they departed from him in great wrath, and left him sorrowfully grieving in his dungeon. At noon the damsel came to him and brought his dinner, and asked him as before, What cheer? Truly, fair damsel, said Sir Launcelot, in all my life never so ill. Sir, replied she, I grieve to see you so, but if ye do as I advise, I can help ye out of this distress, and will do so if you promise me a boon. Fair damsel, said Sir Launcelot, right willingly will I grant it thee, for sorely do I dread these four witch queens who have destroyed and slain many a good knight with their enchantments. Then said the damsel, Sir, wilt thou promise me to help my father on next Tuesday, for he hath a tournament with the king of Northgales, and last Tuesday lost the field through three knights of King Arthur's court who came against him? And if next Tuesday thou wilt aid him, to-morrow before daylight, by God's grace, I will deliver thee. Fair maiden, said Sir Launcelot, tell me thy father's name, and I will answer thee. My father is King Bagdemagus. I know him well, replied Sir Launcelot, for a noble king and a good knight, and by the faith of my body I will do him all the service I am able on that day. Gramercy to thee, Sir Knight, said the damsel. To-morrow, when thou art delivered from this place, ride ten miles hence unto an abbey of white monks, and there abide until I bring my father to thee. So be it, said Sir Launcelot, as I am a true knight. So she departed, and on the morrow early came again, and led him out of twelve gates differently locked, and brought him to his armor, and when he was all armed, she brought him his horse also and lightly he saddled him, and took a great spear in his hand, and mounted and rode forth, saying as he went, Fair damsel, I shall not fail thee by the grace of God. And all that day he rode in a great forest, and could find no highway, and spent the night in the woods. But the next morning found his road, and came to the abbey of white monks. And there he saw King Bagdemagus, and his daughter waiting for him. So when they were together in a chamber, Sir Launcelot told the king how he had been betrayed by an enchantment, and how his brother Lionel was gone he knew not where, and how the damsel had delivered him from the castle of Queen Morgan le Fay. Wherefore, while I live, said he, I shall do service to herself and all her kindred. Then I am sure of thy aid, said the king, on Tuesday now next coming. Yea, sir, I shall not fail thee, said Sir Launcelot. But what knights were they who last week defeated thee and took part with the king of North Gales? Sir Medor de la Porte, Sir Modred, and Sir Gahalatine, replied the king. Sir, said Sir Launcelot, as I understand, the tournament shall take place but three miles from this abbey. Send then to me here three knights of thine, 
the best thou hast, and let them all have plain white shields, such as I also will. Then will we four come suddenly into the midst between both parties, and fall upon thy enemies, and grieve them all we can, and none will know us who we are. So on the Tuesday Sir Lancelot and the three knights lodged themselves in a small grove hard by the lists. Then came into the field the king of North Gales with one hundred and sixty helms, and the three knights of King Arthur's court, who stood apart by themselves. And when King Bagdemagus had arrived with eighty helms, both companies set all their spears in rest, and came together in a mighty clash, wherein were slain twelve knights of King Bagdemagus, and six of the King of North Gales, and the party of King Bagdemagus was driven back. With that came Sir Lancelot, and thrust into the thickest of the press, and smote down with one spear five knights, and brake the backs of four, and cast down the king of North Gales, and brake his thigh by the fall. When the three knights of Arthur's court saw this, they rode at Sir Lancelot, and each after other attacked him. But he overthrew them all, and smote them nigh to death. Then taking a new spear, he bore down to the ground sixteen more knights, and hurt them all so sorely that they could carry arms no more that day. And when his spear at length was broken, he took yet another, and smote down twelve knights more, and most of whom he wounded mortally, till in the end the party of the king of North Gales would joust no more, and the victory was cried to King Bagdemagus. Then Sir Lancelot rode forth with King Bagdemagus to his castle, and there he feasted with great cheer and welcome, and received many royal gifts. And on the morrow he took leave, and went to find his brother Lionel. Anon, by chance, he came to the same forest where the four queens had found him sleeping, and there he met a damsel riding on a white palfrey. When they had saluted each other, Sir Lancelot said, Fair damsel, knowest thou where any adventures may be had in this country? Sir knight, said she, there are adventures great enough close by, if thou darest prove them. Why should I not, said he, since for that cause I came here? Sir, said the damsel, hard by this place there dwelleth a knight that cannot be defeated by any man, so great and perilously strong he is. His name is Sir Turquine and in the prisons of his castle lie threescore knights and four mostly from king arthur's court whom he hath taken with his own hands but promise me ere thou undertakest their deliverance to go and help me afterward and free me and many other ladies that are distressed by a false knight bring me but to this felon turkine quoth sir lancelot and i will afterwards fulfil all your wishes so the damsel went before, and brought him to a ford, and a tree whereon a great brass basin hung, and Sir Lancelot beat with his spear-end upon the basin long and hard, until he beat the bottom of it out. But he saw nothing. Then he rode to and fro before the castle gates for well-nigh half an hour, and anon saw a great knight riding from the distance driving a horse before him, across which hung an armed man bound and when they came near sir lancelot knew the prisoner for a knight of the round table by that time the great knight who drove the prisoner saw sir lancelot 
and each of them began to settle his spear and to make ready. Fair sir, then said Sir Lancelot, put off that wounded knight, I pray thee, from his horse, and let him rest while thou and I shall prove our strength upon each other. For as I am told thou doest and hast done great shame and injury to knights of the round table, wherefore I warn thee now, defend thyself. If thou mayest be of the round table, answered Turquine, I defy thee and all thy fellows. That is saying overmuch, said Sir Lancelot. Then setting their lances in rest, they spurred their horses towards each other as fast as they could go, and smote so fearfully upon each other's shields that both their horses' backs break under them. As soon as they could clear their saddles, they took their shields before them, and drew their swords, and came together eagerly, and fought with great and grievous strokes, and soon they both had many grim and fearful wounds, and bled in streams. Thus they fought two hours and more, thrusting and smiting at each other wherever they could hit. Anon they both were breathless, and stood leaning on their swords. Now, comrade, said Sir Turquine, let us wait a while, and answer me what I shall ask thee. Say on, said Lancelot. Thou art, said Turquine, the best man I ever met and seemest like one that I hate above all other knights that live. But if thou be not he, I will make peace with thee, and for the sake of thy great valour will deliver all the threescore prisoners and four who lie within my dungeons, and thou and I will be companions evermore. Tell me, then, thy name. Thou sayest well, replied Sir Lancelot. But who is he thou hatest so above all others? His name, said Turquine, is Sir Lancelot of the Lake, and he slew my brother Sir Carados at the Dolores Tower. Wherefore, if ever I shall meet with him, one of us two shall slay the other, and thereto I have sworn by a great oath. And to discover and destroy him I have slain a hundred knights, and crippled utterly as many more, and many have died in my prisons and now as i have told thee i have many more therein who all shall be delivered if thou tell me thy name and it be not sir lancelot well said lancelot i am that knight son of king ban of benwick and knight of the round table so now i defy thee to do thy best ha <laughs> ha said turquine with a shout is it then so at last thou art more welcome to my sword than ever knight or lady was to feast for never shall we part till one of us be dead then did they hurtle together like two wild bulls slashing and lashing with their shields and swords and sometimes falling both on to the ground for two more hours they fought so and at last sir turquine grew very faint and gave a little back and bare his shield full low for weariness. When Sir Lancelot saw him thus, he leaped upon him fiercely as a lion, and took him by the crest of his helmet, and dragged him to his knees, and then he tore his helmet off, and smote his neck asunder. Then he arose, and went to the damsel who had brought him to Sir Turquine, and said, I am ready, fair lady, to go with thee upon thy service, but I have no horse. Fair sir, said she, 
take ye this horse of the wounded knight whom turkine but just now was carrying to his prisons and send that knight on to deliver all the prisoners so sir lancelot went to the knight and prayed him for the loan of his horse fair lord said he ye are right welcome for to-day ye have saved both me and my horse and i see that ye are the best knight in all the world for in my sight ye have slain the mightiest man and best knight except thyself i ever saw sir said sir lancelot i thank thee well and now go into yonder castle where thou shalt find many noble knights of the round table for i have seen their shields hung on the trees around on yonder tree alone there are sir kays sir brandels sir marhouses sir galins and sir Aliduke's and many more and also my two kinsmen's shields sir ector de maris's and sir lionel's and i pray you greet them all from me sir lancelot of the lake and tell them that i bid them help themselves to any treasure that they can find within the castle and that i pray my brethren lionel and ector to go to king arthur's court and stay there till i come and by the high feast at pentecost i must be there but now i must ride forth with this damsel to fulfil my promise so as they went the damsel told him sir we are now near the place where the foul knight haunteth who robbeth and distresseth all ladies and gentlewomen travelling past this way against whom i have sought thy aid then they arranged that she would ride on foremost and sir lancelot should follow under cover of the trees by the roadside and if he saw her come to any mishap he should ride forth and deal with him that troubled her and as the damsel rode on at a soft ambling pace a knight and page burst forth from the roadside and forced the damsel from her horse till she cried out for help then came sir lancelot rushing through the wood as fast as he might fly and all the branches of the trees crackled and waved around him o thou false knight and traitor to all knighthood shouted he who taught thee to distress fair ladies thus the foul knight answered nothing but drew out his sword and rode at sir lancelot who threw his spear away and drew his own sword likewise and struck him such a mighty blow as clave his head down to the throat now hast thou the wages thou long hast earned said he and so departed from the damsel then for two days he rode in a great forest and had but scanty food and lodging and on the third day he rode over a long bridge when suddenly there started up a passing foul churl and smote his horse across the nose so that he started and turned back rearing with pain why ridest thou over here without my leave said he why should i not said sir lancelot there is no other way to ride thou shalt not pass by here cried out the churl and dashed at him with a great club full of iron spikes till sir lancelot was fain to draw his sword and smite him dead upon the earth at the end of the bridge was a fair village and all the people came and cried ah sir a worse deed for thyself thou never didst for thou hast slain the chief porter of the castle yonder but he let them talk as they pleased and rode straight forward to the castle there he alighted and tied his horse to a ring in the wall and going in he saw a wide green court 
and thought it seemed a noble place to fight in. And as he looked about, he saw many people watching him from the doors and windows, making signs of warning and saying, Fair knight, thou art unhappy. In the next moment came upon him two great giants, well-armed, save their heads, and with two horrible clubs in their hands. Then he put his shield before him, and with it warded off one giant's stroke, and clove the other with his sword from the head downward to the chest. When the first giant saw that, he ran away mad with fear, but Sir Lancelot ran after him, and smote him through the shoulder, and shore him down his back, so that he fell dead. Then he walked onward to the castle hall, and saw a band of sixty ladies and young damsels coming forth, who knelt to him and thanked him for their freedom. For, sir, said they, the most of us have been prisoners here these seven years, and have been kept at all manner of work to earn our meat, though we be all great gentlewomen born. Blessed be the time that thou wast born, for never did a knight a deed of greater worship than thou hast this day, and thereto will we all bear witness in all times and places. Tell us, therefore, noble knight, thy name and court, that we may tell them to our friends. And when they heard it, they all cried aloud, Well may it be so, for we knew that no knight save thou shouldst ever overcome those giants, and many a long day have we sighed for thee, for the giants feared no other name among all knights but thine. Then he told them to take the treasures of the castle as a reward for their grievances, and to return to their homes, and so rode away into many strange and wild countries. And at last, after many days, by chance he came near the night-time to a fair mansion, wherein he found an old gentlewoman who gave him and his horse good cheer. And when bedtime was come, his host brought him to a chamber over a gate, and there he unarmed, and went to bed, and fell asleep. But soon thereafter came one riding in great haste, and knocking vehemently at the gate below, which when Sir Lancelot heard, he rose and looked out of the window, and by the moonlight saw three knights come riding fiercely after one man, and lashing on him all at once with their swords, while the one knight nobly fought all. Then Sir Lancelot quickly armed himself, and getting through the window let himself down by a sheet into the midst of them, crying out, Turn ye on me, ye cowards, and leave fighting with that knight. Then they all left Sir Kay, for the first knight was he, and began to fall upon Sir Lancelot furiously. And when Sir Kay would have come forward to assist him, Sir Lancelot refused and cried, Leave me alone to deal with them. And presently, with six great strokes, he felled them all. Then they cried out, Sir Knight, we yield us unto thee as a man of might. I will not take your yielding, said he. Yield ye to Sir Kay the Seneschal, or I will have your lives. Fair Knight, said they, excuse us in that thing, for we have chased Sir Kay thus far, and should have overcome him but for thee. Well, said Sir Lancelot, do as ye will, for ye may live or die. But if ye live, ye shall be holden to Sir Kay. Then they yielded to him, and Sir Lancelot commanded them to go unto King Arthur's court at the next Pentecost, and say Sir Kay had sent them prisoners to Queen Guinevere, 
and this they swear to do upon their swords. Then Sir Lancelot knocked at the gate with his sword-hilt, till his hostess came and let him in again, and Sir Kay also. And when the light came, Sir Kay knew Sir Lancelot, and knelt and thanked him for his courtesy and gentleness and kindness. Sir, said he, I have done no more than what I ought to do, and ye are welcome. Therefore let us now take rest. So when Sir Kay had supped, they went to sleep, and Sir Lancelot and he slept in the same bed. On the morrow Sir Lancelot rose early, and took Sir Kay's shield and armor, and set forth. When Sir Kay arose, he found Sir Lancelot's armor by his bedside, and his own arms gone. Now by my faith, thought he, I know that he will grieve some knights of our king's courts, for those who meet him will be bold to joust with him, mistaking him for me, while I, dressed in his shield and armor, shall surely ride in peace. Then Sir Lancelot, dressed in Sir Kay's apparel, rode long in a great forest, and came at last to a low country full of rivers and fair meadows, and saw a bridge before him whereon were three silk tents of diverse colours, and to each tent was hung a white shield, and by each shield stood a knight. So Sir Lancelot went by without speaking a word, and when he had passed the three knights said it was the proud Sir Kay, who thinketh no knight equal to himself, although the contrary is full often proved upon him. "'By my faith,' said one of them named Gaunter, "'I will ride after and attack him for all his pride, and ye shall watch my speed.' Then taking shield and spear, he mounted and rode after Sir Lancelot, and cried, "'Abide, proud knight, and turn, for thou shalt not pass free.' So Sir Lancelot turned, and each one put his spear in rest, and came with all his might against the other. And Sir Gaunter's spear brake short, but Sir Lancelot smote him down both horse and man. When the other knights saw this, they said, Yonder is not Sir Kay, but a bigger man. I dare wager my head, said Sir Gilmere. Yonder knight hath slain Sir Kay, and taken his horse and harness. Be it so or not, said Sir Reynold the third brother. Let us now go to our brother Gaunter's rescue. We shall have enough to do to match that knight, for by his stature I believe it is Sir Lancelot or Sir Tristram. Anon they took their horses and galloped after Sir Lancelot, and Sir Gilmere first assailed him, but was smitten down forthwith and lay stunned on the earth. Then said Sir Reynold, Sir Knight, thou art a strong man, and I believe hast slain my two brothers, wherefore my heart is sore against thee, yet if I might with honour I would avoid thee. Nevertheless that cannot be, so keep thyself. And so they hurtled together with all their might, and each man shivered his spear to pieces, and then they drew their swords and lashed out eagerly. And as they fought, Sir Gaunter and Sir Gilmere presently arose and mounted once again, and came down at full tilt upon Sir Lancelot. But when he saw them coming, he put forth all his strength, and struck Sir Reynold off his horse. Then with two other strokes he served the others likewise. Anon Sir Reynold crept along the ground, with his head all bloody, and came toward Sir Lancelot. "'It is enough,' said Lancelot. "'I was not far from thee when thou wast made a knight, Sir Reynold, 
and know thee for a good and valiant man, and was full loath to slay thee. Gramercy for thy gentleness, said Sir Ranald. I and my brethren will straightway yield to thee when we know thy name, for well we know that thou art not Sir Kay. As for that, said Sir Lancelot, be it as it may, but ye shall yield to Queen Guinevere at the next feast of Pentecost as prisoners, and say that Sir Kay sent ye. Then they swore to him it should be done as he commanded. And so Sir Lancelot passed on, and the three brethren helped each other's wounds as best they might. Then rode Sir Lancelot forward into a deep forest, and came upon four knights of King Arthur's court under an oak tree, Sir Sagramor, Sir Ector, Sir Gawain, and Sir Ewain. And when they spied him, they thought he was Sir Kay. Now by my faith, said Sir Sagramor, I will prove Sir Kay's might. And taking his spear, he rode towards Sir Lancelot. But Sir Lancelot was aware of him, and setting his spear in rest, smote him so sorely that horse and man fell to the earth. Lo, cried Sir Ector, I see by the buffet that knight hath given our fellow, he is stronger than Sir Kay. Now will I try what I can do against him. So Sir Ector took his spear, and galloped at Sir Lancelot, and Sir Lancelot met him as he came, and smote him through shield and shoulder, so that he fell, but his own spear was not broken. By my faith, cried Sir Ewain, yonder is a strong knight, and must have slain Sir Kay, and taken his armor. By his strength I see it will be hard to match him. So saying, he rode toward Sir Lancelot, who met him half-way, and struck him so fiercely, that at one blow he overthrew him also. "'Now,' said Sir Gawain, "'will I encounter him.' So he took a good spear in his hand, and guarded himself with his shield, and he and Sir Lancelot rode against each other with their horses at full speed, and furiously smote each other on the middle of their shields. But Sir Gawain's spear broke short asunder, and Sir Lancelot charged so mightily upon him that his horse and he both fell and rolled upon the ground. Ah, said Sir Lancelot, smiling as he rode away from the four knights, heaven give joy to him who made this spear, for never held I better in my hand. But the four knights said to each other, Truly one spear hath felled us all. I dare lay my life, said Sir Gawain, it is Sir Lancelot, I know him by his riding. So they all departed for the court. And as Sir Lancelot rode still in the forest, he saw a black bloodhound running with its head toward the ground as if it tracked a deer, and following after it he came to a great pool of blood. But the hound, ever and anon looking behind, ran through a great marsh and over a bridge toward an old manor house. So Sir Lancelot followed and went into the hall, and saw a dead knight lying there whose wounds the hound licked. And a lady stood behind him weeping and wringing her hands, who cried, O knight, too great is the sorrow which thou hast brought me. Why say ye so? replied Sir Lancelot for I never harmed this knight, and am full sorely grieved to see thy sorrow. Nay, sir, said the lady, I see it is not thou hast slain my husband, for he that truly did that deed is deeply wounded, and shall never more recover. 
"'What is thy husband's name?' "'His name,' she answered, "'was Sir Gilbert, one of the best knights in all the world. "'But I know not his name who hath slain him.' "'God send thee comfort,' said Sir Lancelot, "'and departed again into the forest. "'And as he rode, he met with a damsel who knew him, "'who cried out, "'Well found, my lord!' I pray ye of your knighthood help my brother who is sore wounded and ceases not to bleed, for he fought this day with Sir Gilbert and slew him, but was himself well nigh slain. And there is a sorceress who dwelleth in a castle hard by, and she this day hath told me that my brother's wound shall never be made whole until I find a knight to go into the chapel perilous and bring from thence a sword and the bloody cloth in which the wounded knight was wrapped. This is a marvellous thing, said Sir Lancelot. But what is your brother's name? His name, sir, she replied, is Sir Melio de Logray. He is a fellow of the round table, said Sir Lancelot, and truly will I do my best to help him. Then, sir, said she, follow this way, and it will bring ye to the chapel perilous. I will abide here, till God send ye hither again, for if ye speed not, there is no living knight who may achieve that adventure. So Sir Lancelot departed, and when he came to the chapel perilous, he alighted and tied his horse to the gate. And as soon as he was within the churchyard, he saw on the front of the chapel many shields of knights whom he had known turned upside down. Then saw he in the pathway thirty mighty knights, taller than any man whom he had ever seen, all armed in black armor, with their swords drawn, and they gnashed their teeth upon him as he came. But he put his shield before him, and took his sword in hand, ready to do battle with them. And when he would have cut his way through them, they scattered on every side and let him pass. Then he went into the chapel, and saw therein no light but a dim lamp burning. Then he was aware of a corpse in the midst of the chapel, covered with a silken cloth, and so stooped down and cut off a piece of the cloth, whereat the earth beneath him trembled. Then saw he a sword lying by the dead knight, and taking it in his hand he hide him from the chapel. As soon as he was in the churchyard again, all thirty knights cried out to him with fierce voices, Sir Launcelot, lay that sword from thee, or thou diest. Whether I live or die, said he, ye shall fight for it ere ye take it from me. And with that they let him pass. And further on, beyond the chapel, he met a fair damsel who said, Sir Launcelot, leave that sword behind thee, or thou diest. I will not leave it said Sir Launcelot, for any asking. Then, gentle knight, said the damsel, I pray thee kiss me once. Nay, said Sir Launcelot, that God forbid. Alas, cried she, I have lost all my labor, but hadst thou kissed me, thy life's days had been all done. Heaven save me from thy subtle crafts, said Sir Launcelot, and therewith took his horse and galloped forth. And when he was departed, the damsel sorrowed greatly, and died in fifteen days. Her name was Eloes the sorceress. Then came Sir Launcelot to Sir Melio's sister, 
who, when she saw him, clapped her hands and wept for joy, and took him to the castle hard by, where Sir Melio was. And when Sir Lancelot saw Sir Meliot, he knew him, though he was pale as ashes for loss of blood, and Sir Meliot, when he saw Sir Lancelot, kneeled to him and cried aloud, O Lord, Sir Lancelot, help me! And thereupon Sir Lancelot went to him, and touched his wounds with the sword, and wiped them with the piece of bloody cloth. And immediately he was as whole as though he had been never wounded. Then was there great joy between them, and Sir Meliot and his sister made Sir Lancelot good cheer. So on the morrow he took his leave that he might go to King Arthur's court. For, said he, it draweth nigh the feast of Pentecost, and there by God's grace shall ye then find me. And riding through many strange countries, over marshes and valleys, he came at length before a castle. As he passed by, he heard two little bells ringing, and looking up he saw a falcon flying overhead with bells tied to her feet, and long strings dangling from them. And as the falcon flew past an elm-tree, the strings caught in the boughs, so that she could fly no further. In the meanwhile came a lady from the castle, and cried, O oh, Sir Lancelot, as thou art the flower of all knights in the world, help me to get my hawk, for she hath slipped away from me, and if she be lost, my lord my husband is so hasty he will surely slay me. What is thy lord's name? said Sir Lancelot. His name, said she, is Sir Philot, a knight of the king of North Gales. Fair lady, said Sir Lancelot, since you know my name, and require me on my knighthood to help you, I will do what I can to get you your hawk. And thereupon alighting, he tied his horse to the same tree, and prayed the lady to unarm him. So when he was unarmed, he climbed up and reached the falcon, and threw it to the lady. Then suddenly came down out of the wood her husband, Sir Philot, all armed, with a drawn sword in his hand, and said, O oh, Sir Lancelot, now have I found thee as I would have thee, and stood at the trunk of the tree to slay him. Ah, lady, cried Sir Lancelot, why have ye betrayed me? She hath done as I commanded her, said Sir Philot, and thine hour is come that thou must die. It were shame, said Sir Lancelot, for an arm to slay an unarmed man. Thou hast no other favour from me, said Sir Philot. Alas, cried Sir Lancelot, that ever any knight should die weaponless. And looking overhead, he saw a great bough without leaves, and wrenched it off the tree, and suddenly leaped down. Then Sir Philot struck at him eagerly, thinking to have slain him. But Sir Lancelot put aside the stroke with the bow, and therewith smote him on the side of the head till he fell swooning to the ground, and tearing his sword from out his hands, he shore his neck through from the body. Then did the lady shriek dismally, and swooned as though she would die. But Sir Lancelot put on his armor, and with haste took his horse and departed hence, thanking God he had escaped that peril. And as he rode through a valley among many wild ways, he saw a knight with a drawn sword chasing a lady to slay her, and seeing Sir Lancelot, she cried and prayed to him to come and rescue her. At that he went up, saying, Fie on thee, knight! 
why wilt thou slay this lady thou doest shame to thyself and all knights what hast thou to do between me and my wife replied the knight i will slay her in spite of thee thou shalt not harm her said sir lancelot till we have first fought together sir answered the knight thou doest ill for this lady hath betrayed me he speaketh falsely said the lady for he is jealous of me without cause as i shall answer before heaven but as thou art named the most worshipful knight in the world i pray thee of thy true knighthood to save me for he is without mercy be of good cheer said sir lancelot it shall not lie within his power to harm thee sir said the knight i will be ruled as ye will have me so sir lancelot rode between the knight and the lady and when they had ridden a while the knight cried out suddenly to sir lancelot to turn and see what men they were who came riding after them and while sir lancelot thinking not of treason turned to look the knight with one great stroke smote off the lady's head then was sir lancelot passing wroth and cried thou traitor thou hast shamed me for ever and alighting from his horse he drew his sword to have slain him instantly but the knight fell on the ground and clasped sir lancelot's knees and cried out for mercy thou shameful knight answered lancelot thou mayest have no mercy for thou showest none therefore arise and fight with me nay said the knight i will not rise till thou dost grant me mercy now will i deal fairly by thee said sir lancelot i will unarm me to my shirt and have my sword only in my hand and if thou canst slay me thou shalt be quit for ever that will i never do said the knight then answered sir lancelot take this lady and the head and bear it with thee and swear to me upon thy sword never to rest until thou comest to queen guinevere that will i do said he now said sir lancelot tell me thy name it is pedivere answered the knight in a shameful hour wert thou born said sir lancelot so sir pedivere departed bearing with him the dead lady and her head and when he came to winchester where the queen was with king arthur he told them all the truth and afterward did great and heavy penance for many years and became a holy hermit so two days before the feast of pentecost sir lancelot returned to the court and king arthur was full glad of his coming and when sir gawain sir ewaine sir sagramore and sir ector saw him in sir kay's armour they knew well it was he who had smitten them all down with one spear anon came all the knights sir turquine had taken prisoners and gave worship and honour to sir lancelot then sir kay told the king how sir lancelot had rescued him when he was in near danger of his death and said sir kay he made the knights yield not to himself but me and by heaven because sir lancelot took my armour and left me his i rode in peace and no man would have aught to do with me then came the knights who fought with sir lancelot at the long bridge and yielded themselves also to sir kay but he said nay he had not fought with them it is sir lancelot said he that overcame ye 
Next came Sir Melio de Logray, and told King Arthur how Sir Lancelot had saved him from death. And so all Sir Lancelot's deeds and great adventures were made known, how the four sorcerous queens had him in prison, how he was delivered by the daughter of King Bagdemagus, and what deeds of arms he did at the tournament between the King of Northgales and King Bagdemagus. And so at that festival Sir Lancelot had the greatest name of any knight in all the world, and by high and low was he the most honoured of all men. End of chapter 9 Recording by Thomas Rose